magnitude of putting the data together is not something that can be done in one or two days. Yeah. It literally takes months to put data together and people are very impatient. <laughs> yeah. Um, at my company at Ersten Young, it took us almost nine months to put our data together. We have over 300,000 employees in 155 different countries. So we had a lot of calls because people just thought that we were not getting anything done. I had to assure them, I promise you, the end results is coming. It is near, the light is at the end of the tunnel and you're gonna be very happy about it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Today, we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics in the podcast and in general, and that is around data. And, you know, we talk about the future of HR, we talk about the future of work, and, and of course, perhaps the foundation of not only the conversations, but the, the, the making of the HR of the future is data. That's one of, the, uh, one of the first frontiers that HR is crossing to become a much more valuable, relevant, a value-adding uh, sort of HR function. And we are going to be chatting with day, today with somebody who not only has, believe, has been leading in the, in the data space for a long time, she is one of the most recognized and, and renowned uh, data scientists, data leaders in the world. She is also passionate about data, not just the work, but passionate about what we can do with data. Tomeka, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm excited well, to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I am excited about this conversation and... Let me, let me ask you this to sort of open up our conversation. Uh, you know, we've been talking about data in, in business for a long time and data in HR also for a long time, not as long as in other business data points, but at least, you know, for a, at least for 10 years, you know, we've been talking about data in the HR space. And there are still some organizations, some HR professionals that are still a little, uh, you know, hesitant perhaps about fully utilizing the power of data to drive or to inform HR and people decisions. Why is it that some people may be scared of this data thing? Well, I think there are several reasons. One, just the magnitude of putting the data together is not something that can be done in one or two days. Yeah. It literally takes months to put data together and people are very impatient. <laughs> yeah. Um, at my company at Ersten Young, it took us almost nine months to put our data together. We have over 300,000 employees in 155 different countries. So we had a lot of calls because people just thought that we were not getting anything done. I had to assure them, I promise you the end results is coming, it is near, the light is at the end of the tunnel, and you're gonna be very happy about it. Second, because no one really has put forth a lot of effort to put data together to make it more powerful, a lot more you know, informative as to how you can observe an employee from the beginning of their work life to the end. 
no one really has seen anyone do any analytics with that type of data yeah. and what is all possible. So one of the big hills that I had to overcome was to one, show them the power of the data. So I had to one, convince them to be patient while I put the data together. And then two, in using that data to convince them that it was all worth it because the end result of doing a product is gonna be something you've never seen before. Yeah. So from the very beginning to putting that data together all the way to the final end of a product, that could take over a year. And to have someone constantly twiddling their thumbs, like we're paying a lot of money, when are you gonna get it done? Um, it was very nerve wracking. But when we first used this integrated data to look at our turnover uh, prediction, everyone was blown away because they never thought that we were able to capture as much as we could capture to help explain the reasons why people were staying at the firm and why people were leaving the firm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that story is, is, is powerful, right? I mean, the, the, you know, all these challenges that, that you had to deal with. Let me ask you something to make it, you know, you're, you're very passionate about working with data. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's um, bring that passion to other folks that are listening to our podcast. Why, what, what drives your passion around the work with data and people analytics? Sure. You know, I really am passionate as to why people make the decisions that they do. Mm. And so I went to school, I have probably too many degrees um, to really uh, apply that information, that statistical and analytical skills to really answer those questions as to why people make the decisions that they do. And my ultimate goal is that I want to be able to answer these questions with more objectivity. When you actually have numbers to back up what you think is happening, or you can prove you know, what is actually happening with the numbers, I think that just says so much. But also with more objectivity, with more answers to these questions, I'm hoping that I can hand these results over to stakeholders, to the leaders of the companies. And now they have something actionable that they can um, work with to make the change that they want to see in their company. I love that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not just the data for the sake of data. It is the data for the sake of understanding and, you know, giving you the ability to, to know why people in the company are making some uh, choices are making some decisions. And at the same time, it, it helps you sort of create a, a portfolio of possible actions to take to either, you know, continue promoting the, the decisions that people are making or changing some of the behaviors that you know are, uh, are happening in the company, but you don't want necessarily those behaviors to, you know, to continue further down the road. I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful reason to be passionate about is, you know, it's more understanding of the human. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you something, you know, when we were preparing for this podcast, one, one of the things that we talked about was um, how can uh, leaders and especially those working in analytics, how can they prepare to, to perform a research project using data? And that is so important because, you know, right now there are so many companies that are either setting up their people analytics function 
or they have been tasked with, you know, doing certain uh, research project within the company. How, how should they go about this? You know, how should they think about, you know, if they are doing something about productivity and remote work or diversity, equity and inclusion recruitment or, you know, the many, you know, hundreds and thousands of combinations that they can go about to create a research, research project for their company? How can, how can they think about this? You know, I think it's important that companies have a very good people analytics group and they have on that team a very good translator. Someone who can really take that data, Mm. help break it down what's happening so that people could really understand what's happening in layman's terms. Hmm. Really take away, hopefully through the translator, they have some options. They have recommendations of what they can do based on the data that they have. I think the purpose of the people analytics team isn't just to answer the question and just say here and walk away, but the people analytics team is there to help work with the leaders, the stakeholders, understand what's going on, to help give suggestions of what they could possibly do to make changes. So it is very important that there is a great storyteller, a great communicator there that can really help break down what is going on with this research question, the results of this research questions, and how can those leaders use the information that they just discovered to make better decisions? That, that is fascinating. And whenever I chat with anybody about data, of course, the idea of the of storytelling always comes up you know it is it is not just the data it is now translating the data that you're collecting and the possibilities you know from that data into a story when you think about sto- a storyteller in this sense that kind of translator that you are describing what what makes a good a professional a, trans, a good translator what 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 what's a good translator what do they have what do they do what skills you know, have they embraced to be that kind of translator that you're thinking about? To me, a great storyteller is someone who can, for instance, show a PowerPoint slide and within 10 seconds, everyone understands what's going on. The storyteller is not someone who is bragging about their super complicated high level analytics <laughs> that they did. Oh, cheap boost machine learning. We did random forest, machine learning, you know, it's not about the process, it's about the end results and how to use the results. So it's important that uh, communicators just make sure that they're talking about the results and how the stakeholders and the leaders can actually use those results. It's not about bragging about how smart your team is and how long they took to work on this project. It really is about the work and making sure that the work, the end result the, of the project, how it ties to the business. Yeah. I think that's often overlooked. We have to make sure that when we're talking about the results of any of these projects, what is the impact on the business? Because if that is that connection is not made clear, a lot of people would lose interest very fast because what's in it for them other than some fun fact on a bullet. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is powerful. And I have to ask you this question because what you work in a very large organization where, um, you know, I mean, I can only assume that the availability for resources is a little bit more 
flexible, um, if, if that's the case, compared to maybe a tiny organization of you know 500 people that is trying to set up their people analytics function. So the reason why I bring this up is because very often you will find in the same HR team of you know two, three, four people, if at all, a lot of these sort of skills combining the same person. You know, the storyteller is the data scientist. Um, it, it's it's a, it's the same person, right? It's not different people. And and I love that you are bringing up this this idea of you gotta understand your business very well uh, because that's that's the that's what ties all these pieces together. Otherwise, they don't they don't make sense. And and, and I want to ask you this to make it when when you think about regardless of, of, of team size, sort of a list of skills or capabilities that those te- teams need to have to be good in, in the data space. And, and again, I said this regardless of how many people, whether it is one person is a storyteller and the other is a data scientist, what are the skills and capabilities that they should embrace to be effective in this work? Okay, so what's funny is that at my current company here at EY, we are a very large firm, but my team is small and mighty. So <laughs> there's not that many of us who are doing people analytics on a global scale. So I think what is needed, you would need um, probably one or two people with strong computer programming and analytics skills. You probably need a person who's very good in dashboard design. You will need someone who's going to be managing that project, overseeing the project, making sure that everyone has what they needs, making sure that the project itself, the design of the project is made clear. You probably would need a data ops person to get the data for you. So I think that's four people right there. And you probably need someone who's community. Communicating. Now, that's five roles. That's not necessarily five people. Um, Because the communicator could also be the person running the project. The data person could also be the data ops person. You know, because the data, um, the dashboard person has access to the data that you need. So that person could just easily pull it without a data, like a big data ops person. So I would say one or two analytics person, one, manager to make sure the project is well-defined, everyone has what they need, a dashboard to kind of help with the visuals. Yeah. And a communicator, the person yeah. who's going to go and talk to the leaders about this. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I like that you are being very specific about what's needed because as, as you said before, it doesn't matter how many people are in the team. I mean, these are roles and these can help any uh, any company or any HR leader find a, a person who may have several of these capabilities in just that one person, right? Somebody who may be a great, you know, communicator combined with project management skills and maybe even some design skills to do some dashboard design. Um, so um, awesome. Well, you know, I, I, I think this is, this is fantastic that you share this very, very specific um, set of skills. Um, to make us weak, get closer to wrapping up our conversation, I I want to ask you one more question. For those companies that are setting up right now their their, um, data science, people analytics space, sort of from scratch, they are beginning this journey. If if you can give them one 
recommendation, one thing to always, always, always keep in mind, what would that thing be? One thing I think is the importance of the data itself. The very first thing I would do, I was starting a people analytics team from scratch, was to make sure I have the data because you are nothing without your data. You mm -hmm. can't ask any questions without your data. Yeah. So that's the most fundamental thing that you need to have. So I would bring in people could, who could help structure this data in a way so that we can start doing projects. Because once your data is structured and um, is put in a way that is um, automated, you are just everything smooth sailing from there. You can just quickly put the data, answer the questions. You instead of starting from scratch every single time, this way your projects, instead of them taking three, four weeks, can now take two or three days. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, um, absolutely. Well, Tomeka, thank you so much for sharing those insights with me and with the community. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, incredible uh, insights here to to not only set up a great analytics function, but to optimize if you already are running with one. So thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.